welcome to another episode of Nut News, the show where you'll swear I'm nuts because all I'm going to talk about is, what is it? Is it the, the number one consumer top of choice nut when you are asked to name the healthiest nut? Or the number one nut as an ingredient in new consumer products in 2020? Well, it, it just might be, but but is it is it almonds? I'm pretty sure it's almonds. And joining me today to talk about almonds, VP of Retail Sales and Business Development, Bryn Garcia. Bryn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love that intro. That is an excellent summary of almonds and uh, gotta love them just for that reason. Well, if uh, you haven't caught on from the episode title that you probably read before you're clicking on this or my introduction or guest today, we're here to discuss the consumer side of the almond world, particularly as it pertains to the U.S. market, because that's where we're most active. So Bryn, why should we listen to you on this subject? What is it that you do with Select Harvest uh, that gives you a unique perspective into the consumer world? Well, um, I would hope you would find confidence in listening to me because I had our retail sales department. So as the vice president of retail sales, I have a nice temperature gauge on the market of both the retailer side and the consumer side for what each store sees individually with their customers. And I get a nice peek into the world of our customers and what they're liking right now, what they're not liking right now, and the trends that we're seeing out there in the market. Well, thank you for enlightening us. Uh, I, of course, am well aware of what uh, makes you your perspective unique. I mean, that's why I invited you on this show, but um, everyone out there might not. So again, thank you for uh, the introduction, Bryn. And uh, again, thanks for being on the show. Now, I kind of want to dive in first with something I found very interesting. And you know, this happened a month or so ago, you know, maybe more, I'm getting timelines mixed up a little bit, but you came to the marketing team, Brent, and you asked for sales material to present the holiday themed almonds to retailers. Now, I remember my mind just like going a million miles an hour, racing through all the things that like we would need to do to fast track a, you know, an R&D project that had been in the pipeline, but really wasn't on the, the forefront. And i probably asked a bunch of frantic questions and you know about timelines <laughs> and this and that and all the things we needed to do and knowing you I i'm guessing the way this un unfolded is you probably just waited there patiently until you can get a word in, and then you said alan this is for holiday 2022 and you just blew my mind i was like w wait a sec w we're only a couple of months into 2021 so we have time we're talking about holiday 2022. So enlighten us, Bryn, why are we talking about holiday lineups and holiday flavors and products, you know, only a couple of months in 2021, but we're targeting 2022. What's going on there? Yes. So um, that's right. And I know I probably caused you a lot of panic that day, but in the retail world, really, that's how far we have to plan out in advance. We are looking at holiday 22 because of the timeline backing into that. So if you're taking into account a retailer's 
planogram or a schematic. Um, essentially, they're set uh, on the shelf level. They're looking at it roughly a year in advance, sometimes more. And holiday is such an important sales period for retailers across every genre that we see. You know, you ex- we expect to see two, sometimes threefold the sales just in those last couple of months. So it's just such an important time for them that they do plan it slightly further out than the other categories. And depending on what retailer I'm speaking with, it can be anywhere from a year or a year plus. Then you add on the additional time on our end of actually researching and developing that item, going back and forth with the different tastings that we do to get the flavor exactly right, then designing the look of the bag and the branding around it. And you've got to tack on another you know, three months conservatively, but more like six to eight months on top of that. So here in May, we could almost be considered behind the gun if I'm having to present to retailers at the end of this year for holiday next year. Well, of course, uh, you started that conversation uh, several months ago. So behind the gun, I don't think we uh, we are, but... Um, no, we're fine. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, if you're starting it now, I think that's a really good point, right? You know, and it's, it, again, it just was really fascinating to me that, uh, you know, something as mundane or at least seemingly mundane as holiday flavors, um, you would have to, you know, plan so far ahead. And, you know, I think that brings up an interesting question. You know, if you're planning that far ahead, like, how do you, how do you know, how do you plan on what is going to be popular in, in 2022? You know, like what's the strategy there, Bryn? That's a great question. And part of our job, of course, being on the retail sales side and in the marketing world, part of our job is looking at flavor trends and and seeing what's popular, what's on the horizon, where are we seeing repetition across categories and jumping on that. But holiday itself is sort of its own beast in a way. It is very consistent. I think that customers really look for the comfort of the same flavors when the weather starts cooling off, when you start hearing that Christmas music playing. And of course, that gets earlier and earlier, as we all know. Are we eating eating pumpkin (laughs) spice in July now? That's right. That's right. I think we're going to be close there. But, but, I mean, there's something comforting about ex- the expectation of consistent flavors around that holiday time period. We don't really see that around the rest of the year, year over year. Flavors change, trends change, but holidays, it's pretty consistent. We we have seen that customers, they want to taste chocolate. They want to taste peppermint. They want to feel things that, uh, t- taste things that make them feel warm. And with the exception of pumpkin spice, we haven't seen a lot of change in the market. Now, pumpkin spice came along maybe five plus years ago, right around there. And that was a huge shift. That was a very unexpected shift, I think, across um, the consumer packaged goods categories where no one was ready for the magnitude that that flavor was going to hold and the fact that it wasn't going anywhere. So as soon as pumpkin spice came into market, that was a new flavor for holiday that kind of shook things up a little bit was something new and unique and then it never went anywhere so it's now formed a permanent spot among the holiday flavors so those are the launching points that we use when we're thinking about holidays for for any year well you certainly uh 
I, I can tell that um, my characterization as being mundane is uh, certainly not in line with you. The the excitement. I mean, we're in May talking about holiday flavors. I can I can tell it's uh, something that you're passionate, excited about. And I'll admit I'm a bit of a Scrooge, but uh, now all of a sudden, like I want uh, I want my pumpkin spice latte. That, that that sounds really good. And you know, another interesting thing that you know I just wanted to kind of highlight is you know your your characterization of the holiday flavors being fairly consistent and um you know as a as a marketer it's kind of nice sometimes to have something consistent and known in in the pattern of things cuz stuff changes so much and you know obviously covid doesn't happen all the time or at least we certainly hope it doesn't hmm. um but we saw a lot of a lot of crazy shakeups and and changes you know of this last year plus now with with the pandemic so you know let let's transition to that and and let me ask, you know, over the last 12, 15 months, what, what stands out the most to you with the effects and, and the changes that, that COVID brought? So at the start of the pandemic, everyone was uncertain about what was going to happen. We saw a massive spike in retail sales as a result of that panic buy that customers were doing, not knowing how long lockdowns were going to be or what was going to happen really in the world. And then as a result of that excess purchase orders and excess inventory coming in and then everyone staying home, sales kind of flatlined a little bit. Then we spent the better part of the remainder of the year evening out and trying to find where consumer shopping habits are going to land. And I would say the real two takeaways that have been have had long-term effects and, and legs after the pandemic first began is the shift to online shopping. That's definitely been a major increase. It was something that was already trending before, and then it just completely took off. And also consumers now really shifting out of needing to find comforting ways to feel better to back to that regular healthy, and I'll use that in quotations because healthy is very subjective, but those very um, much more health-focused, health-forward snacking choices. So we've seen a real shift back to, I would call it just a regular eating pattern, where at the beginning, we saw consumers seeking out more comfort foods, pastas and sauces and things that I think they were just seeking to, to you know, feel better in the world. And and food can do that for us. Now that people have really settled into this, quote, new normal, they are shifting back into the mindset of healthy eating and better snacking decisions and, and better overall health decisions. So I've, you know, I heard you say coming to a new normal, but at the same time, you know, you're also saying, you're suggesting that uh, we're returning to, you know, some of the trends that had been present prior. So, you know, let me ask you to, you know, if you can maybe elaborate on maybe some of the things that you are seeing kind of maybe pick back up that were lost during the pandemic, or, you know, just like, what do you see is the new normal as we, as we look forward? That's a great point. The new normal is almost a return back to previous, previous normal. And what I would say there is 
before customers were leaving their house so much. You know, in our regular everyday lives, we had soccer games and we had work and we had traveling. So there was a a lot of need and desire and product innovation around single servings and snack packs and ways that food can be more portable. And after the pandemic, we've seen that kind of disappear as people are not leaving their homes as much. And of course, it's starting to begin again, but that particular segment hasn't come back. Instead, we're seeing healthy food decisions in bulk. So our larger, for our specific business, our larger size bags are doing very well because everyone is staying home. So while they might have had that single serving of almonds before on the go, now they're divvying out a single serving from a larger bag at home. Well, I can tell you, I mentioned to get out and do things and looking at the summer going like, all right, vaccines have been rolling out. Uh, You know, we have a, I think Biden just said he wanted a 70% vaccinated by July. You know, that's not quite herd immunity. Um, You know, all the the children, uh, specifically the younger ones, um, aren't quite in line for vaccines. But again, I I mentioned to get out. So, you know, let's let's say another six, 12 months down the road. I mean, do you expect the, the shift to come back for those single serves? Or do you feel like, you know, what we built during this last 12, 15 months of this, you know, healthy, be at home, community, family, do you feel like that's going to continue to impact, you know, what people are buying? Well, I'm a data girl. I like to look at the data and, and so far the data is not saying that they're going to come back. Now, I think it will be a slow return. I think especially for families and parents, the convenience of having something prepackaged is very great, especially when you have kids or you're watching your calorie content, then having that single serving already packaged out for you is excellent. So I think they're going to come back. I just think it's going to be very slow. And right now that that trend has not begun yet. So I don't know if you saw this. Um, I think we shared the um, the data around the office, um, but you know, just last week or so, uh, was reading uh, an article that uh, purported branded products uh, outpaced private label growth last year. And if that doesn't sound, you know, all that earth shattering, it was the first time in over a decade that growth in branded products outpaced private label branded products. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, do you attribute that to just the volatility of 2020 and, and, and you know, the, the COVID factor? Or do you perhaps see something else going on in the tea leaves there? Well, for anyone listening, my background is in private brands. That's that's what I did for over a decade before coming on board the Select Harvest team. So this is very near and dear to my heart. It's quite earth shattering to me as well. S- working in this field and in this industry, I've never seen this happen before. So the fact that we have shifted away from private brands, which have spent the, the better part of a decade building quality foods and quality products, we call it actually national brand better. We've had large strides in this category of making really excellent 
products that are unique and unexpected in store brand labels and that being attractive for customers to find something different in their brand. It was a real surprise to see this. And my thought process here was that there was just too much else going on to have that be their main focus. I think retailers for so long needed to strive to be different. They needed to strive to be some unique selling proposition to get customers to want to come back to them versus the other grocery store that's probably less than a mile away. So they spend a lot of time developing their own brand and making it look beautiful and unique and having a really excellent assortment and array of products. Then I think COVID hit and that was not the main focus anymore. The main focus was keeping shelves stocked worrying about the consumers and what their immediate needs were and less on developing their own brand as a retailer and their own essentially marketing campaign as a retailer. And so I think it's it's my opinion anyway that that was a, an open door opportunity for national brands to come in and say, hey, we've got it already teed up for you. If you're looking to just have something new on shelf that's exciting and quick. We're ready. Give us a shot. And I th- I think retailers really drove this. I think it, it was less of a an, an honest consumer purchase trend and more of an opportunity by retailers to put new brands on the shelf. And that's where that excitement across categories came from. Well, speaking of new opportunities, I mentioned this in the intro. Almonds continue to be the number one nut in new product uh, introductions uh, in 2020. And I just kind of wanted your take. Why do you think almonds have been and continue to be the primary nut, at least outpacing other nuts uh, in new product and introductions? Now, isn't that an exciting statistic for us? It's good to be in the almond world right now. Yes. So year over year, we see almonds being the number one nut. And it's just fantastic. Of course, we believe almonds are the best nut, but it's nice that consumers feel that way as well. And I think it ties back into that health-focused, better-for-you wellness trend that that we have seen continue to rise and we're seeing back come into play again. Almonds are just inherently such a healthy nut. When you look at that nutritional panel on the back of an almond, you've got really solid nutrition in every serving. So for anyone who is maybe interested in carbohydrates, it's low carbohydrate and high fiber. So if you're following a ketogenic diet and you're tracking net carbs, you're at less than two net carbs a serving. Um, If you're worried about protein content, the protein content is really high. And, And calories, while Nuts tend to have a higher calorie value. It's just quality in those calories. And we're seeing it toted more and more in almonds as just being quality nutrition. And I think that's attributing a lot for the development of new products. We're seeing almonds in so many different categories right now. They're a milk alternative. They're a yogurt alternative. They're becoming a baking alternative and a breading alternative. And the list could go on and on and on. It's not just a snacking product anymore. It's really an excellent switch for increasing your protein and lowering your carbs. Now, being on the marketing side, or at least focused there in my role, 
uh, something that was interesting to me that uh, I came across just last week. Uh, the Almond Board uh, and their uh, GMDC committee were preparing to shift the target market for almonds. And, and this, this is not target market for almonds for everyone, right? I mean, this is a trade organization and, and they do, you know, just general uh, awareness campaigns for almonds and advertising for the almond industry just in general. But what I found interesting is one of the primary things that was shifting in the, the target market was shifting to consumers that have a particular mindset and affinity for sustainability. Now, this has been playing out particularly in Europe uh, last several years, and it's been accelerated there. And now it seems to be a little bit more in the fore here with particularly the younger consumers. And I just kind of wanted your take on how you feel that almonds fit into a consumer cohort that is putting more and more emphasis on sustainability and products that are sourced sustainably and, you know, just have a general, you know, aura of social responsibility. You know, how do you feel almonds fit in there right now, Bryn? Boy, that's a big question. Yes. I think we're seeing not just from U.S., but as you spoke on a global level, a real social responsibility for anyone in the farming industry and in the food production industry to follow more sustainable practices. It at one point didn't exist at all. And then it became companies were doing it in small doses. Then it became the norm. And now it's certainly the expectation is that everyone is using sustainability practices as much as possible. But in terms of the retail side, we're seeing it from retailers being in demand on a high level. When we're introducing products and essentially pitching to retailers, they want to know what programs we have in place and what we are doing to better our existing program. Because of course, as we're learning, we're damaging our planet and we really need to slow that down as much as possible and hopefully reverse as much as we can. Almonds are very much uh, a concern with water. That's that's something that we're we're constantly looking at. So those are the questions that I get the most: is how we are conserving water and what water practices we're using. So the fact that Select Harvest that that is important to us, and we've got programs in place to to mitigate against water use and conserve when possible, and moving forward to have an even more exemplary program. That's a just a big win for us, and we hope that we see that across the nut industry as a whole. Well, I appreciate your perspective on that. I feel like I might have set you up on that since uh, I'm a little bit more engaged on the sustainability side. But um, of course, you know what goes on there uh, behind the scenes uh, is certainly important um, on your front, and I'm glad you you know characterized it that way. You know there is a lot going on not only here but uh, in the almond industry in general that uh, I do feel puts almonds in um, right in the middle of the conversation when it comes to, you know, a sustainable way to, you know, provide nutrition. And, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, um, I'll let you know if you are interested in more in the sustainability topic, we have a previous episode of Nut News where I talk with uh, Darren Titus from Heart Farms and we lay the foundation um, for sustainability practices here at Select Harvest USA. I would 
uh, advise, go back and find that uh, episode and then listen for more. Um, I'll continue to be uh, talking about sustainability uh, with Darren and uh, other members of our team uh, in a kind of a periodic sustainability conversation. So keep an ear out for that. But moving back to the consumer side of thing, Bryn, you know, is there anything else that you feel like you want to add here or, or talk about before I let you go? Yes, let's talk trade shows. So while that may not be as exciting as it sounds in my voice, trade shows are a very big deal on the retail sales side. I used to love going to them in person. It's my opportunity to get to meet customers, retailers, trendsetters face-to-face. And it's really exciting to see all of the people making a splash in the consumer products world. And um, you can really get a, a feel for trends that are emerging and innovation and flavors. It's it's really an exciting buzz and it's very palpable in the atmosphere. It's it's fun. Now with when COVID hit, those came to a screeching halt and everything went virtual. That was a big shift and adjustment for everyone. I'm starting to see the trade shows coming back in person, but instead of solely in person, they're opening up hybrid models for anyone who's still not comfortable traveling. There are virtual aspects where you can take place and schedule meetings and meet with people, or you can also attend in person. But from what I'm seeing for across all of the uh, trade show leaders, they expect that 2022 will be back to in-person shows. Well, I share your excitement. Um, trade shows are are very fun. They're a unique uh, experience. And, you know, I remember you and I were were packed. We were getting on a plane the next day <laughs> uh, right. when, when things got shut down and uh, they canceled it on us, um, you know, literally last minute. So, you know, that was our last uh, experience with in-person. I can't wait to go back. I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, you're excited. Maybe it's not 2021, but um, 2022 is really not that far away. No, I think it'll be here before we know it. And just like everything else, I think people are ready to get back safely as possible, but to a better way, you know, a more in-person way of living. Yeah, safety is key. Well, Bryn, you stay safe. Uh, and thanks again for uh, joining today. Appreciate uh, you sharing your insights uh, on the retail packaged uh, goods side of the things. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Well, I've been told my voice is sweet, but I'm not without the guilt. Unlike our Buck Crunch, no sugar-added almonds. Go buy some. SelectHarvestAlmondSnacks.com. Catch us on social media. Do I even need to tell you where by now? Come on, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's LinkedIn. We're there. Missed an episode? Well, odds are you can find it wherever you found this one, whether that's SelectHarvestUSA.com under the News and Resources tabs, or your favorite streaming services like iTunes and Spotify. We are there. And if you're still listening to the closing monologue, new this week, 10 points and a gold star for whomever emails me at A. Burwell, that's A for Alan, and my last name, Burwell, at selectharvestusa.com, their favorite Dogecoin meme. Why? Because I'm nuts. (laughs) No, 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 wait, wait. Not a real nut. No, don't, don't eat me. Don't eat me, eat almonds! Eat almonds! This is Nut News.